Thank you so much, Sharon. Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing? I want to say welcome, welcome, welcome to all of you to the city of Seattle. Uh, I know that we have new faces, uh, so please take the time after church to introduce one another, and I hope that I can uh, get to know you too throughout the, uh, the, uh, the afternoon today. Uh, before I uh, preach the sermon today, we are very honored to have a guest uh, here, uh, Pastor Charles Nehemiah, that is going to share his testimony. Hey, uh, Seattle, would you please give him a warm welcome? Good morning. Check press one. One one. Good morning, church. Check one. Good morning, church. Good morning. Yes, praise the name of the Lord. Such an honor to be here. Thank you for the privilege, Pastor Irwan, and um, uh, uh, I believe that uh, God has. Uh, uh, given us a lot of things in our life and uh, worship leaders mentioned that uh, we live in a season and God has worked in our season. The question is uh, when did you first encounter God and how did God you encounter God in your life? Um, I'd like to share my personal testimony but before that, kalau di Jakarta bilang gak kenang gak sayang yeah, uh, let me introduce shortly myself uh, my name is uh, Charles Nehemaya uh, I'm a pastor at uh, Kelapa Gading and Jatinegara uh, I had a privilege to uh, go to school at Berkeley, Col Berkeley College of Music in Boston, uh, and uh, my had my master in Covington Theological Seminary, my second master uh, from Emerson College. Uh, I spent my life working uh, full-time uh, in a few different places, but I had the privilege and honor to serve. Uh, I was a part of the LC Leadership Committee in IFGF back then, but then I spent almost 12, uh, 12 years in the church called International for Gospel Fellow. No. Uh, um, International Foursquare uh, Church uh, in Boston uh, tw for about 12 years. 19, uh, 2008, I went back to Jakarta for good. Uh, I married uh, to a one wife, praise God. And, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, my son's Christopher here in, in this church. And I thank you for uh, Pastor Ewan Tim uh, that has been coaching him uh, throughout the entire time when he's here. So, like I said, um, everybody has personal experience with God, and so do I. And it happens in 1992. Um, at the time, uh, the church that we were uh, in Krapagading, we uh, met at the storehouse, like Ruko, uh, there, and uh, we had three services. And at that time, it happens in April 5th, 1992, and uh, it was the second day of Idul Fitri or Ramadan. As you probably know, Ramadan is one of the biggest holiday in Indonesia. And, uh, and in Jakarta, Kelapa Gading at the time, uh, it was quiet to begin with, but because of the Ramadan, it's even more quieter, uh, including our uh, full-time uh, worker at the church. Uh, everybody went away uh, to their village. So um, because I'm a PK, uh, pastor's kid, so I had to uh, clean up after services, 7 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and 5 o'clock. At the time, again, uh, our storehouse, Rukoi Tu only fits probably about 70 people. That's why we have three services because we cannot contain people anymore. So we had a chance, you know, we had a, 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 a desire to expand, to buy the next Ruko, the next storehouse. Uh, but then we have to figure out the funding and how to work that out. So 
here comes the first Sunday uh, in that April 1992. Uh, after the second service, 10 o'clock, uh, I had to clean up our communion table and all because uh, uh, no full-timers at the time. And my father has to preach in the other church in Jatinagara. Uh, at the time, I was a junior high school, and I just learned how to drive. So um, I parked, uh, after I cleaned up everything, I um, uh, wanted to go to our house. Our house happened to be uh, in the complex behind our church. Uh, and because of the portal, they closed the uh, a short, we have to make a U-turn. Um, Bapak Ibu yang tahu, you, everybody knows in Kelapa Gading, there's Bundaran, MKG. So I have to make a U-turn and do that. So what happened is, um, right after I make a U-turn, I, I drive myself, and there was a, a, a quite a big minivan, Toyota Kijang, uh, a minivan, uh, tried to take over my car and just hit the left front of my bumper uh, and just stopped in front of me. I was like, when I look at the, my, my windshield, I see the three big guy, and uh, I didn't have a good feeling about this. We plan to buy the uh, storehouse, and we plan to sell, we have two cars. This is one of the cars that we want to sell. So all the funds we're gonna put as a down payment to the Ruko uh, uh, storehouse next to our church. So we plan to sell that, but that will be after the Ramadan because that's why people are coming back. So going back to the story, so the car stopped in front of me and I didn't have a good feeling. I remember my mom told me, if something like that happened, don't get out of the car. You run away. So I remember that mama said, mama said run away. So I back off and I speed off in that Boulevard Raya. At that time, it was so quiet. I went about 80, 90 kilometers per hour that time. Tapi memang kijang tiada duanya. This kijang was so fast catching me up. And um, until I get into the perempatan, to the intersection, Pulomas, if you know Kelapa Gading, Perintis Kemerdekaan, and Pulau Gadung to the left. So... This time, I didn't, know, I didn't know what to do. There are four cars in front of me. I didn't think, 16 years old, didn't think that I have to hit the car in front of me and make a chaotic scene so everybody can get off. So instead, I tried to avoid the car in front of me. I banting steering ke kiri. I turned the left steering wheels and then boom, 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 and then the car skidding and hit the sidewalk. The car stopped. My right front tire blew off, and here I am by myself in the car. So I tried to get out and try to run, but I think I was so nervous and so shocked, I couldn't run away. So the car, Kijang, stopped. Two people came down of the car, and then one fleet with the minivan. So they took off the steering wheel of my car. I had to sit in my back seat with the guy sitting next to me, and the other guy, uh, the other person took the steering wheels. So they back off and they drive my car with the blown off tire, with the blown tire. The guy next to me pulled a gun in front of my stomach, uh, in my stomach and start asking me if I have drugs. I said, I'm a good man. I'm a PK. I don't do drugs. So he hit me very hard in here. Three times, one, two, and three. Thank God I was still conscious. If I was unconscious, it's probably going to be a different story. Continue. So they didn't have what they want. And so he tapped the guy, the guy who 
had the steering wheel and said, hey, where are you going to finish this guy off? Mau habisin di mana dia? One says, Pulau Gadung, no, we're going to bring him to Cililitan. It's another area in, in Jakarta. So they on the way to Pulau Gadung, uh, they have to make a U-turn, and they're going to go to Cililitan and do something to me that I did not know. But at the time, the only treasure I had that we had in the car is the Bible. So I look at the Bible, and he looked at the Bible, and he says, what is book is it? Is this a gospel book? The moment I heard the word gospel, my spirit and my body was like very pumped, and it's like this electric, electrified with a 10,000 voltage water. I was getting up and I said, I looked at him and said, yes, it's a Bible. <laughs> Sir, I have a five o'clock service where I have to play music there. <laughs> so please get me off. I need to stop right here. He looked at me, I was like, with the gun in here. He looked at me, I was like, wait a minute. And then he tapped the guy in front, please stop. So they stopped right in front, right in the intersection, opened the door, let me out, and they flew with my car. They took my car away. So I went back to, the ho to, to our home, and I made a call for my dad. I said, dad, I was just kidnapped. I'm survived, but they took away our car. My dad couldn't believe it. He said, are you joking? <laughs> Until three times. The third time I said that, my voice was trembling because I was crying. I said, Dad, they robbed our car. So he said, wait. I'm going to go to the house, and we're going to go to the police station. So shortly after that, we went to the police station. Almost four hours, I was in the police station. There's a a picture of the report there. Four hours, they interviewed me. You know the first question they asked? Why didn't you fight back? I said, there was a gun here. I said, how do you know the gun is loaded? I said, I didn't know. I'm not going to ask, hey, is the gun loaded? <laughs> Duh, you know. I was like, it didn't make sense. But, you know, that was happened before Pak Jokowi. But Pak Jokowi is very good. Yeah. Tiada <laughs> tertandingi. So, so I... So they let me go, nothing I could do. So I don't worry about car. So we went home, empty-handed. Every night, we had a culture of praying together as a family. At that night in that dining table, I was so mad to God for three reasons. Number one, since I was 15, at that time, in, I, w I went to school at SMPK 3, all my friends, after weekend Friday, Pastor Irwan, they always go to this place called Lipstick Stardust. You probably heard of this. Yeah. I, if you're not, then you probably were, were there one time. <laughs> or, or. But me, I always bring my keyboard and I minister to different persecutuan doa. So I said, God, why did you let this happen to me? You know, I serve you. I didn't do anything wrong. Why did it happen to me? Number one. Number two. This car was to be sold for the, for the down payment of the church. Why did you let that take that away from us? So we have to figure out how to pay the down payment for the church. It does, it's not fair, God. Number three, I complained to the Lord and I said, that was my father's birthday, April 5th. Instead of giving him a gift, 
Saya ngilangin mobil. You know. So I felt so guilty. I was crying. I was so mad with God. But you know what? God is good all the time. My mom in the morning when she had her morning devotion, there's a verse came up to her from Job 10, Job 23, 10. For he knows the ways that I take. When he tested me, I will come forth as good. So she said to all of us in the dining table, don't worry. God is processing us. We're going to get through all this. She said that, but I couldn't still take it. I still couldn't take it. You know, for the next seven days, I couldn't get out of the house. Every time I look at the black kijang, I was so shocked and devastated. I was so traumatic, traumatized, and I couldn't do anything. But one of the things that I regret and I said, Lord, forgive me for my complaint is that a few days after that, in the newspaper, it says that April 5th in that day, there were five hijacking incidents, five robbery incidents that involved two automobiles and three motorcycles. And four of the victims were deceased. Only one alive. And that is Lim Charles Alvin Nehemiah. At that point, I said to God, God, forgive me if I blame you for what it is. But you know what? The story does not end. We had to still pay for this ruko. One of my auntie, which is, who is quite wealthy, he called up and said to my mom, said, hey, I heard that your son was robbed and you need to buy that ruko. Why don't I pay off for that ruko? The whole thing. And you guys can pay back whenever you want, whatever, how long does it take? With no interest, just pay whatever you can. So our plan is to put a down payment, but God has provided everything. Let's give hands to the Lord. You know. And I was like, how could that happen? I did not know God's plan, but I believe the second chance that I was given life, I plead to God and I vow to God, God, the second life, I will dedicate and give it all to you. Amen. You know, so church, when was the last time you encountered God in your life? I hope you don't have to go through what I did. But if you had ever experienced this kind of experience, never complain to God. If God is calling, I know some of you are going to school here. You probably don't know what you're going to take, what you want to do in your near future. But believe in God that he's going to hold your hands. He's going to take you to the place that you've never been before. So I thank God. And exactly two months after that, five, April 5th, April, May, June, June 5th, our car was found. Pastor uh, Irwan, three more minutes, okay? Please. How did I find this? How do we find the car? This car? When I went, well, finally I had to go back to school because I had to complete my school. I had the courage to go back. I, I changed my attitude from complaining to thanking God for what his plan that I just shared. So I went to, to school and one of my friends from Medan, his name is Point Alexander. I remember from Batakaro, my good friend. He told me this. Hey, Charles, I saw your car. 
in in the police station di Kalimalang. Di Kalimalang, I said, no, it's impossible because we lost our car. It's already two months ago. No, I saw the car because I saw the car. It's a green army color with the police military sign on it. You know, you know what? If your car is more green army color, more ada tulisan polisi militer, tapi kalau yang drive tetap sipit juga, diarah juga, it doesn't, it doesn't work that either, you know. <laughs> so I said, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I said, no, yeah, no, I saw that car. So I said to my dad, when I went back home, I said, dad, let's go to that police station because my friends saw our car. So we went to that police station and there was our car. You know, and at that time, I don't know about now, If your car lost and found by the police, and if you want to bail out your car, take your car back, you have to pay at least 50% of the value of the car. It doesn't make sense. You lost, but you have to, but that's how it, the system worked back then. And we didn't have that, money, that much money at, at all at the time. But when they look at the, my father's ID, occupation is a pastor, The principal, the, the chief of the chief police in the station, he said, I'm also Christian. You are a pastor, so you can take this car for free. Wow. Praise wow. God. Yeah. How did the car get into that station? So right after I got robbed, I got kidnapped. They wanted to go to a small shop and have my car, the color of the car, changed, painted in all white. Menghilangkan jejak. But the owner of the shop not had a, have a bad feeling. Because before they leave, uh, they took all the sound systems, you know, um, harshly. So he said, okay, you come back three days after, after today and pick up your car. What happened is three days after that, he called up the police in that Kalimalang to come. So when this robbery, you know, the, the bad guy went in the taxi and wanted to pick up the car and look at there's a preman, a policy uh, in, in that shop, they went away. And that's how the car was taken to the police station. You know, sometimes when I really come back and share this testimony, I couldn't think how God works and put everything together. But I always believe based on that experience and from that point on that God has never failed you and never failed me. His plans always succeed. Although we don't understand, we don't know, it's hard for us to accept, but just believe and have a personal encounter with God, He will take care of you. And from that point on, again, I said, Lord, if anything happened, anything bad happened to my life or everybody's life, even we think that it is bad, believe that God can turn the bad into good for those who love Him. So I pray that this testimony will be a blessing for other people and for you. To God be the glory. Amen. Thank you so much. Wow. Thank you, Pastor Charles, for the testimony. That's, that's amazing. That's really an amazing story. Uh, well, before uh, I share, let's switch gear a little bit so that Uh, we can uh, honor and pray for one of our brothers that are living for uh, his military uh, training uh, this coming week. Uh, Simon, you want to come forward with Shani? Uh, he is going to be living for about four months, uh, and Shani will be alone. Uh, so please be praying for them. Uh, um, 
and he's going to be serving. Um, and so, so let's, let's uh, lift up our hands and pray. Hallelujah, Lord. Uh, we want to pray, Father God, for Sam. Thank you so much, Lord, for you have kept him, you have loved him, uh, and you have the best plan for him as he is living and is preparing to leave, Father God, for his uh, military training, uh, going to the state of Missouri for four months. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will protect him. You will cover him with the power of your blood, Father God, so that whatever he does, he will be successful. He will continue to share Jesus uh, to wherever he goes, Father God, uh, so that he can come back safely uh, and well-trained and be reunited with his wife. Uh, Father God, we want to pray for Shani. I know it's not easy, Father God, to be left uh, by herself here in Seattle, but we ask, Father God, for your companionship. We ask, Father God, for, uh, for you to be there for her, Father God, in every needs, that you will protect her, Father God. And, and, and all of us here in this place as her family will continue to support her uh, during the absence of Sam uh, so that uh, she too will not uh, feel alone and helpless. Father God, again, protect this family. Bless this family uh, because we know, Father God, this is your will to be done. Thank you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You want to say something? <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Please be praying for Sam. Um, he's going to go for a few months. Uh, again, church, I want to welcome all of you. If this is your first time here, I hope that you can feel welcome and you'll feel that this uh, is your home church for the coming years. I want to extend my welcome to all of the new students. Uh, welcome to Seattle. And I hope that you have a great experience here in Seattle. To all of the parents, uh, I also want to extend uh, our welcome to all of you in this place. Uh, I get to meet with a few new uh, people over the past uh, two Sundays. Uh, please welcome all of our new guests and our new visitors with their parents in this place, would you? Uh, we are still in the sermon series called Come and Sit. Uh, and, you know, two weeks ago we were talking about uh, who sits at your table, right? Uh, today, I want to share with you about uh, sitting at God's table. You are invited, you and I are invited to sit at the Lord's table. One day, uh, a mom, uh, she invited a few guests to her house uh, to eat, you know. And then around the table, they say, hey, let's, uh, let's say grace. So she asked Mary, which is uh, the daughter, she said, Mary, would you just say grace? And then the daughter said, Mama, I don't know how to pray. He said, don't worry, Mary. Just pray like what you have heard about me, how I prayed. I say, oh, okay, mama. And they say, dear Lord, why do I have to invite all these people to come to my house? <laughs> One day, a pastor was invited to, uh, to a very old lady's house, the uh, uh, grandma's house. He said, come, sit, uh, pastor. I said, let's chat. And so the pastor came to the living room, sat in the living room with the grandma. So they chatted for about, uh, you know, chatted for a few minutes. And then the, the pastor saw there is a bowl of uh, peanuts, you know, on the table. And he said, ma'am, do you mind if uh, I took some of the peanuts? He said, oh, you're welcome to take the peanuts. So they were chatting and then, uh, you know, the pastors were eating the peanuts. Uh, and then after an hour of chat, uh, they, he realized that he finished the peanuts. <laughs> And so, oh my goodness, ma'am, I'm sorry, I finished the peanut. Oh, don't worry, pastor. Ever since I lost my teeth, I only chew the, uh, the chocolate on it. <laughs> if you don't get it, ask your neighbor. Okay. <laughs> Open up with me in Psalm 23. We're going to stay in Psalm 23, verse 5 to 6. 
it says this. It says this. He says, God prepare me a table, uh, prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Okay? And when I read that, that verse, it, it got me thinking. Why would God prepare a table in the presence of my enemy? We are supposed to go into a battle when we are in the presence of the enemy. So me, being a funny guy, you know, yesterday David said, I like your dry jokes. I, I almost flip when he said dry jokes. <laughs> when people said, I like your dry jokes, which means that your joke is ain't that funny. <laughs> I was laughing so hard when he said that. <laughs> uh, but me, being, trying to be a funny guy, when I read that message, I was like, is it true that God prepared a table for me so that I can use the table to hit my enemy? How many of you know Jackie Chan? I love Jackie Chan. Okay? I can imagine when I read this verse, I say, oh God, you prepare a table before me and I'm going to hit my enemy. But when I read in the other version, which is the New Living Translation, I found out that when God prepared a table, or when, when it says prepare a table, it does not mean that God wants, to use, uh, wants you to use the table to hit your enemy, but God is inviting you to a feast. God is inviting you to sit in His presence in the midst of your enemies. Sometimes we as Christians, we think that we can find peace in the absence of problem, but actually you can find peace in the presence of God. So then I realized like, oh, you are preparing a feast for me. And then of course, me being a funny guy again, I remembered my younger years in Singapore when I was a, in, a, in, a gang, in a gang member. Okay, when I was in gang, whenever we sit around, I still remember, okay, please don't judge me. I was sitting around in Armani Cafe, to those of you from Singapore, Armani Cafe, you know, in Orchard Road, I was sitting there. Why was I sitting there? I was sitting there not to drink coffee, but I was sitting there to wait for signal. Okay, because somebody is going to give us signal, and then we're going to use every method and every tools to start hitting people in Orchard Road. And one of the tools that I use is, of course, that round table in Armani Cafe. So when I read this kind of message, I can imagine, like, yep, God, you prepare the table for me. Thank you so much. <laughs> now I can use the table for my tools. But how many of you know that in the midst of our enemies, in the midst of our uh, uh, danger and problems, God does not want you to use the table and any means to attack the enemy. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. And so it gives me thinking again. So what if, what if, in those times when I was much younger, when I was sitting in that Armani cafe, what if the enemy starts to attack and I'm still drinking coffee? Can you imagine? It will mess my enemy up. <laughs> They're starting to come and I'm still drinking my coffee. Just like, you know, all this Bruce Lee movie. So confidence. So confidence and so secure in my own position. It will mess the enemy up. And that's what I thought so too. God, why would you want to have a feast with me? Why would you want to have dinner with me? 
while my enemy is coming to attack me. Then I realized, when you sit at the Lord's table and you feast together with the Lord, it will mess your enemy up because your enemy will be clueless. Like, what is going on with this guy? Why is he not preparing to attack? Why is he rested and seated in, 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 on the table? So, here's what Charles Spurgeon said. He says, nothing is hurried. There is no confusion, no disturbances. The enemy at the table, and yet God prepares a table. The enemy at the door, and yet God prepares the table. The Christian sits down and eats as, as if everything were in perfect peace. We've, we found peace not in the absence of enemy, but we found peace in the presence of our Lord. So let's continue, Psalm 23. And it says this, you know, and also if you look at how God created the, the universe, which is very funny, because when God created the universe, God created man on the sixth day. Right? God created the man on the six days. If I were God, and I would like to work together with human beings, I will have created human beings on the first day. Then the human being can help God to do the work that needs to be done. But instead, human being is created the last. And then as soon as the human being is created, God enters into rest. Which means that when we are created, we need to learn to first enter into rest. And we live our life from the position of rest rather than from position of panicking, working, uh, fighting, fighting the battles or whatever the circumstances. Because God wants us to learn from the position of rest. Okay? Continue. Psalm 23, verse 5. Okay? It says, and then after you sit, you prepare the table in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. And the word anointing comes with God's favor. When you are anointed by God, there is God's favor in you. What does it mean to have favor of God? Which means that you are distinguished among men and women. You are different. When people see you, there is a difference in you. That is man with favor. Okay, distinguished among men and women. And then with oil. There is a Holy Spirit that God is empowering each and every one of us so that we are not walking alone, but we are walking with the power of the Holy Spirit in you. How many of you know that when God anoints you with the Holy Spirit, you are walking in victory? 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, one of my favorite verses, he says, You little children of God, you have already won the victory. For he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. The Holy Spirit that is in you is already greater than anything in the world because you are standing on Jesus' victory. So when you are anointed with that oil, when you are anointed with the Holy Spirit, we are already standing on God's victory. And when we move, when we minister, when we do life, we do it from the point of victory. And then continue, okay? He says, my cup overflows. It's kind of strange. How does cup overflows when you are sitting? Right? In our culture, your cup overflows when you work over time. <laughs> right? How many of you know? Like I, I have met people that have worked like double shift, triple shift. 
you know, I, I used to tell some of the uh, congregation here, we, I used to serve in, in Everett, and they have a friend in New York that works seven days a week, two shifts every day. So he worked like 16 hours a day, and he come home, he can only sleep, and then he will go back to work. Seven days a week, working like that, okay, without rest. And you think that this person will be super blessed, right, with all the double job, with all the overtime, with all of the income. One day, after five years of working seven days a week straight, for five years, he finally got his, uh, his day off. Finally. So he decided, what should I do with my day off? He was confused too because he's never had a day off. So he decided that he wants to go for a buffet. <laughs> he wants to eat buffet. And sadly, sadly, he died on the buffet table. Cup overflow does not equal to working so much, so much, so much, so much. But cup overflow comes from sitting at the Lord's table. My cup overflows. Overflows does not mean just enough, but it overflows, it means that I have so much blessing that it will bless you too. And that's how the Christian life should be, is that the Lord bless us and it overflows and it bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, and bless everyone else around us. Yes, uh, a couple days ago, I was in counseling. I tell them, have you ever met somebody that is so generous that is poor? Think about it. Have you ever met somebody that is so generous that is so poor? I've never met those person, and I've never heard any story like that. I know some people will say, oh yeah, because they are super, super rich, therefore they are super, super generous. No, there is no such thing as that. Because if you have never trained your heart to be generous from the beginning, if you today cannot give $100, what will make you think that you can give $100 million next week? No way. Right? But by sitting at the Lord's table, we learn about the provision of God. We learn that everything that we have is from God. And therefore, when we are blessed by God, it overflows to the people around us. So exercise it. Take a look at it, okay? And then, continue, okay? And then says, surely, goodness and mercy will follow me for the rest of my life. For the rest of my life. <clears throat> I always joke, okay? I, I'm, I'm, I'm from, I was from Singapore, okay? And uh, when I was growing up, again, please don't judge me, okay? When I was growing up, we don't have a cell phone. So, when we, you know, some of you might remember, right? So, how do you make appointments? For the young generation, this is how you make appointments. There is this equipment in your house that has uh, this uh, extended cord that you pick up, and it will make that sound like, and then you start to like, you are dialing, okay? And then you make an appointment with your friend. Hey, do you wanna do you wanna watch a movie? You know, you wanna watch the Endgame movie, the uh, the Maverick or whatever uh, at two o'clock uh, in this theater, okay? And this is how typically the Singaporean will answer. Uh, not sure, leh. If they say not sure, leh, that means they are not coming. <laughs> Don't wait for them. But if they say, sure, 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 they are coming. They're coming. Don't change any more plan. 
Because once you leave the house, there is no way to change plan. Just wait there, okay? So when the Singaporeans say, sure, 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 that means they are coming. So when I read this verse, it says, sure, sure, sure. God says, sure, 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 goodness will be coming to you. Just wait. Don't change plan. Because surely, goodness is coming towards you. Can you say amen? He's not going to change because he already said, sure, sure, sure. So it's coming. Just wait. Okay. The frustrating thing is that I already say, sure, 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 sure. You know, hang up the phone. My friend already left the house. And then suddenly things happen. Like, oh, oh. There is no way to communicate. You know, long time ago, there's no way to communicate. Once they left the house, the house there's no way to communicate, to tell them, like, I'm sorry, I changed my mind. Right? Nowadays, it's so easy to change schedule. You know, sometimes I already arrive at the appointment, and then the person says, oh, I'm sorry, pastor, I can't make it. <laughs> what? <laughs> you couldn't have told me, like, an hour before I arrived? But during those times, once you hang up the phone, Sure, 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 it will come. Don't change your plan. So when God promised you, surely goodness will follow you all the days of my life, will it come? It will come. Just wait. Just wait. Be patient, okay? Maybe sometime the MRT is late. God never late, right? God never late, but, but just wait, okay? It's a... So goodness actually also speak about God's faithfulness. Also talk about God's grace, God's gift, God's goodness towards you, right? And then he said mercy. Mercy is actually a deliverance, deliverance from punishment. And this is how I define it. He says mercy is God not punishing us as our sin deserve it. Mercy is God withholding what you deserve, which is punishment, which is death, which is a horrendous death, but God's mercy is following you. How many of you know that's wonderful to know how good our God is that He withhold mercy? He withhold punishment because of His mercy. If you know that, you will live a free Christian life. And then grace or good, God's goodness is giving us what we don't deserve. You deserve death. You deserve punishment. You deserve the curse. But because of God's grace and mercy, instead of demanding those punishments towards you, He sent His Son to reconcile mercy and grace. Therefore, to those of you who receive Jesus, God's mercy upon you. And surely, surely, goodness will follow you the rest of your life. See, the thing is, many Christians, we don't understand God's grace and mercy. Right? We don't understand that. So whenever we make mistakes, we stumble. We make mistakes, we fall. I've been in ministry for 30 years, okay? I can tell you this is the common trend. Whenever Christians, Christians, I'm not talking about the non-Christian. Okay, the Christians, whenever they make mistake, the first thing that they will feel is condemned. They will feel condemned. They will feel guilty. And then the second thing, this is very common. The second thing they will do is they will live as far away as possible from 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 8th Avenue, Northeast, Seattle, Washington, 98125. 
Why? Because they were ashamed. They were guilty. They were condemned. And they thought that God is waiting for them at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 8. That's, that's our church address, by the way. I know it's not a joke. I know I've been texting a few uh, parents over the past two days. I, 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 as I was texting, I was like, I'm, I hope that they don't treat this as a joke. You know, like, what's your church address, Pastor Irwan? It's like, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 8th Avenue. That's our address. Very easy. But a lot of Christians, when they feel guilty, when they feel condemned, when they make mistakes, the first thing that they do is they run away from 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 8th Avenue, thinking that God is waiting for them in this church building and trying to condemn them and trying to judge them and trying to punish them while the Bible said that surely goodness and mercy shall follow you the rest of your life. And, by, and the uh, Bible tells us, David understood this. Therefore, in Psalm 20, uh, 23 verse 6, he says this. He says, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So instead, if you understand God's grace and mercy, instead of running away from God's presence, instead of sitting at God's table while you are in the presence of enemy, sometimes we run away. But instead, the right thing to do, the right position to do is to run back into the presence of God. Isn't that strange? Right? The people that needs to sit actually at the Lord's table is the people that are in the presence of the enemy. But yet, the people that are in the presence of the enemy are too ashamed to sit at the Lord's table. We need to tell them of the goodness and the mercy of our God. That He did not come to condemn us. He did not come to judge us. But He came to save us. He came to serve us. Come back. Come and sit at the Lord's table. There is an invitation for those of you. Whether you stumble in your Christian walk, you have fell, you have made mistakes. Run towards 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 8th Avenue Northeast on Sunday at 10 a.m. though, not on Monday, 10 a.m. Because <laughs> nobody's here. But it's okay. Even if no one's here, God can still save. I still remember many years ago, there is this guy. Okay, he lives in Shoreline. And he took drugs. And he mixed drugs. And he got tripped up while taking the drugs and he was hallucinating. And when he was hallucinating, he remembered about God. That's amazing. God can appear in every situation. Okay, in his high hallucination, God reminded him of him, of God. And so he said, I need to go to, I need to, go to church. I need to go to church. So he ran from shoreline to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 8th Avenue. He ran. Okay, by the time he arrived, it was 11 p.m. at night. And obviously, the door is locked. So don't come at, you know, nowadays our security is very, very robust. The police will come. So don't, don't, don't do this, okay? So he came, he tried to get into the church and the door was locked. And in his hallucination, he thought that the heaven's door were locked out of him. So he panicked. And he was yelling. This is the story he told me, okay, after that. He, was, he panicked and he said, let me in, God, let me in. And obviously, the door is locked, no one's here. And so he punched our door, glass, and it broke. And he was able to come in, okay. I don't know if he ever come to this church, but he found our baptismal pool. 
Somehow he ran around the building and he found the baptismal pool. And he baptized himself. Okay. He baptized himself. So if you want to know where our baptismal pool, come August 9. We will show you where our baptismal pool. So just in case if you are hallucinating, please call N at 206-363-IFGF first. So we don't, you don't break our door. We will open it for you. Okay. And then you can baptize yourself. Okay. So he baptized himself and the, the pool was full of blood because he was bleeding. <laughs> and he received Jesus, guys. He received Jesus and he became so active not only in this church but in his next church in Australia. The brokenness, the people that needs Lord needs to run towards the Lord's table. Not away from the Lord's table but into the Lord's table. I want to invite you. If you are feeling guilty, you are feeling ashamed, you are feeling condemned, you are feeling that you are not worthy, I tell you, you are invited into the Lord's table. You should be the one sitting at the Lord's table. And you will experience the goodness and the mercy of God. And you will decide that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that amazing? There is an invitation, not for the Christian alone, but to those of you who are not thinking that you are not worthy, you are not clean enough, you are not worthy enough, you are not qualified enough, actually, you are the one that are being invited into the Lord's table. Isn't that amazing? Next time, I don't have time today, but next time, I will share my own journey. How wretched I was, how unqualified I was. I was 10 years old when I started drinking. I was starting, I was addicted to alcohol. And then I joined the gang. I got into a fight. I was arrested by the police. So much thing stupid going on in my life. But yet God still can invite me. I still remember I entered into the church building feeling like, oh my goodness, this whole church will be so contaminated by me. They don't know my background. They don't know where I came from. If they would have known, they wouldn't invite me. But yet, I was there for 10 weeks. And I understood that the goodness and mercy of God is for me. And I received Jesus. And I gave up all of my life. And who you, who would you know? About almost more than 40 years later, here I am telling you that that invitation is for you too. Let's all stand. Hallelujah, Lord. I want to use this time to sing one more song. As we sing this song, I pray that the song of the Lord will touch your heart. And allow you to have that understanding that no matter what your life circumstances are today, you are invited to come and sit at the Lord's table. Yes, you. I know. 
Hallelujah, Lord.